Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. JPC, <laughs> did y'all see JPC? We we live in the same neighborhood. He is like literally down the block from me. Yeah, I didn't understand that tweet. What happened? I was out walking my dog and like, you know, it's cold out. I'm not walking my dog with my phone out. I have to keep my hands in my pockets to keep my fingers warm. Um, and so because I was out walking Ollie, JPC tweeted, hey, James can't be at Twitter right now. Say nice shit about him for when he gets back, which, you know, at the one thing like, oh, you know, it's kind of a sweet gesture for a friend like, oh, I'm going to generate some positivity, whatever. On the other reason, uh, it means JPC has the ability to watch me and know my activities, which is a terrifying thought. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want JPC to audit your life. What was the deception with my body for? Well, that was kind of just to try and not make a whole lot of waves and to kind of, you know, save our skin. Again, not great. I have an out-of-game question. Yes. I don't super remember why either. Here's, like, the reason out-of-game is you very reasonably could have been killed bringing the body back to the ship captain was a very popular captain um a mutiny that happened offshore without a charismatic leader to that mutiny um you know if calivar had come back to the boat calivar might have been able to assume control and said yeah the others mutinied and we weren't able to save the captain but you doing that well, there's a chance that people could might not have believed you. Um, so, you know, this deception could have started like, this is the only way we're going to live because mm-hmm. nobody's going to believe that the captain's most trusted inner, cir- inner circle betrayed him and murdered him. And we fought to defend him. And, you know, we're coming back loyal but failures. And I don't think you had a way off that island that wasn't the ship. Okay. Because that's what I was thinking this entire conversation. was like, I don't really remember mm-hmm. a lot of the details of the inciting incident of campaign podcast. <laughs> oh, there, there aren't a lot. We're just kind of making them up. And that, that that's what made the most <laughs> sense to me.
We were afraid. And that's not an excuse, but it is the reason. People like you. You know, and they don't care for most of us. Travis, specifically. Well, some some of us they don't care for, and others of us they find, you know, little lovable scamps. Orimar signs fear and moves it, like, up to the top of his head and to the left, and then signs courage uh, and moves that to the right, and will sign your first deception and flick that over towards fear, and your second deception and flick that towards courage, and basically put a question mark at the end of that. Essentially asking, you're telling me that you 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 lied because you were afraid for yourselves the first time, but the second lie is because you were concerned about the town. You were concerned about going into this battle. Is that because you're telling me you told that lie because you are brave? We did want to help. I think. Cause Johnny, I, I know why Johnny told that lie or wanted that lie on there. I don't know why Travis did. And that is what interests me. I think that it is generous, but incorrect to describe the second deception as courageous. Even though I do think that it was ultimately the correct move to help the most people, it was also a bet. like the bet we made with you and your body. And I don't like making bets I know I will lose. And when a winning bet aligns with the more righteous choice, whether it is dangerous or foolish or awesome, it doesn't make it courageous. In fact, I think it honestly makes it quite the opposite. I was betting with other people's lives because I knew that ultimately we'd win that bargain. Oromar signs, we are connected, and moves it over to Travis. (laughs) Don't I know it. He thinks for a moment... And then through a bunch of different signs, I I think at this point to express this particular idea, he's having to draw on a few different languages, Uh, but he signs something to the effect of, I feel what you felt and I see, I have seen what you remember and flicks that over towards you. I do not understand you. I cannot trust you. How will you prove it? Well, first of all, fair. Second of all, I think as a a very simple sort of opening gesture, I'd like you to have this. And uh, Travis gives... (laughs) Travis gives him uh, his own watch. (laughs) 
Gable just gets up and walks to the other room. <laughs> just so mad. Just so mad. Just so mad. <laughs> I know that um, oh, it's just your size and your Travis. You'll love it. The captain laughs, <laughs> and it sounds terrifying. Uh. It starts and stops like at an in a very automatic oh. way. It is a deep and hearty laugh that betrays all of the power and timber in his voice. Uh, it fills the room, I think stops the music. Yep. <laughs> and like once the laugh is finished, there is a moment of heavy silence where again, his expression has not changed at uh. all. So, oh. It is as much of a threat a laugh can be while still being a laugh. <laughs> and, you know, now that now that the ice is broken, um, I guess I can maybe get into the next bit. The, I guess the captain knows that Travis is a changeling since he's just kind of been around. Yep. Maybe you've uh, noticed I am... Uh, what one might call a lovable immortal changeling. And as part of that, I am quite hard to kill. Not to brag. Uh, <laughs> but I believe we could use this to your, our advantage. Um, uh, as you know, you're able to use Dref's heart to suck some of my life to help you uh, come back a little more. <laughs> and I think that's great. And I think... <laughs> like a go-gurt. That, <laughs> that we can really harness this connection that you and I and Dref have. And if we were to perform... Some as of yet to be determined ceremony to transfer all but the final remaining drop of my life into the heart, into you, just before I transform. I think we could maybe bring you all the way back. And perhaps Dref's heart will still keep you in some way tethered or between so that, I don't know, maybe you'll be immortal too. Or maybe some of my, you know, stuff will help make you immortal. Who knows? Ormar signs to stop. <laughs> okay. And says, My life is not for you to give to me. Understood. He signs... I am willing to accept help. And he flicks that off to each of you, to Gable, to Travis, to Jonnet, and to Dref. This is great. You can do all the reading. I trust. I understand. Signing to Dref. Just to Dref. I do not understand. Flicks to Travis. Can I ask you a question? A, a, an additional question after this one. Uses the same sign of, you know, 
take a seat. <laughs> Do you still talk to Draft? Are you still uh, able to? The captain winks. Oh man, that's cool and weird. I mean, we talked to Draft too. We, we well, yeah, but we had to do a whole production. You know, it was a whole, <laughs> it was a whole thing. But to just be able to—I mean, I don't know how hard it is, but but you look good, so I don't think it's that taxing for you. The captain signs to stop, and then uh, signs. I have an enemy. You can help me fight, and he'll flick that to Gable. I know that you're not necessarily looking for offerings or gifts or anything as payment for what has been done. My life is as long as Travis's is, and I don't know how much longer it will be, but it will be for certainly a long time. I have a sword. That's pretty much all I have. I'm ready to pledge this sword to you for the next 25 to 50 years, depending how much you need it. I thought they were going to say hours, and I was like, come on, Gable. You're not useful for anything besides dying and then not dying. I do not keep servants, he signs, firmly and resolutely. Do you keep bodymen? This, I don't know. Liz, would you want to explain that concept to bring? Because I I think Johnny, Travis, and I all made the same face. (laughs) (laughs) It's... The, a glorified version of a security guard, but also if he's looking to become a king, mm. Mm. he needs a secret service, you know? Mm. The Kingsman. <laughs> 2017 Birth, yes. or whatever that came out. Ormar signs once again, I have an enemy. He breaks off from that sign, the Red Feather Syndicate, and then moves to another sign, And this is in a very old hand sign language, one that definitely Jonnet doesn't recognize, but Gable and Travis have a shot at that is a sign for the cutting stone. He takes I have an enemy, he flicks that to Gable and then makes a connection between the Red Feather Syndicate and Gable, indicating that he is certain that Gable is already an enemy of the Syndicate. He is requesting you to be an enemy to the cutting stone. I don't know if I have that in my power. (laughs) Oromar signs. Again, there's no change in his expression. You killed God. (laughs) Yes. I hate that. I hate that there's that's just like the go-to now. Like I can't get out of anything now. Like I can't get out doing the <laughs> It's your get in to do. Oh, I'm free too tired garbage. to take out the garbage. Uh, you killed God. Survive. Yeah, but that was that people's expectations low. <laughs> Dang it. High achievers, you know, am I right? <laughs> you compare, let's see. Uh, I dropped out of high school and you killed God. So I guess you're taking out the trash. That's I guess what I'm hearing. Gable just sort of sits back petulantly like, fine, fine. Well, well you did kill God, so. Fine. Then he'll sign, why wouldn't you? Gable signs back, I don't understand. Oromar thinks for a moment. Your enemy, the Red Feather Syndicate. Your enemy, God. Your enemy, the Cutting Stone. 
He'll circle the cutting stone. Why wouldn't you? Gable signs back, why not? Oromar signs, I trust, I understand, and flicks it to Gable. Oromar turns to Jonnet. Why have you done what you have done? Fear. I didn't know. I let other people speak for me. You snuck aboard my ship. Oh. I wanted more. I wanted You to- followed to my landing party. I It's one thing to be aboard the Uhuru, but it's another to be with the council. To be where the decisions are made. I wanted more for myself, so I took it. And it got me here. He signs, I understand. Flicks it over to you. Signs, I trust. And holds it where it is and puts it to the side. He... Then signs another question, and I just need to think of how I want to phrase it. You up? What were you afraid of? Uh, when we told the lie, I was afraid of being caught in not only sneaking on the ship, but sneaking on the boarding party. It felt like, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'd... That was, that was small, but it's what got me on, it's what got me on board with the lie to begin with. I was scared. Oromar signs, I have killed many men. You snuck aboard my ship. Why did you not fear me? Because I revered you. You did not fear me while I lived but you feared my crew when I was dead. Why? Because bad things happen when no, when no one's in charge. When there isn't someone to... They trust you, and not me, not yet. And I felt like until I could earn that trust, I'd use the trust that they gave you. On the table... Sitting between everyone in this group, there is a candle. It has a red and orange glow, and it flickers in the dim light of this restaurant. That glow is reflected in Oromar's eyes as he stares across the table at Jonnet Kessler, who has the same red-orange glow flickering in his eye. Oromar signs, Where does your path lead? I want my path to lead me to where you're sitting. I want to be on the other side of the table. Oromar signs, I understand, I trust, and flicks it to Jonnet. Then turns to Travis once more. Welcome back. He signs, I understand, I trust, and then why? And flicks the Y towards I understand, I trust, and flicks that to you. (laughs) 
you know, I don't know. I can't speak for you. I've tried. It did not work out well, and I do feel bad. But here's the thing. I... I lie. But I don't think... I'm a liar. Oromar, again, like, there's that instinct, that lean forward as though he wants to nod, and then he winks. You did not command me. Why? You're... I mean, even when we thought that you were, you know, not there, you still have quite the commanding presence. And you gotta kind of respect that, you know? The captain winks. And it's... not really my style, you know? You you catch more flies with honey. That you, what you've been doing is honey? Yes. <laughs> 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 see the vinegar, oh my word. See, watch. Gable, go away. Just leave. No! <laughs> it doesn't work. Okay, well... <laughs> Jonnet, could you grab me a drink? I'm not gonna do... No. <laughs> well, but but imagine how cool it would have been if he did. Oromar considers Travis and you only play games if things work out for you the way you want them to and I hope they do you might find yourself in a similar place to me eventually you learn a lot about people and how they work and how they think and what they do quite honestly too much and the more you learn the longer you go on and the more there is the less you learn and the less interesting it gets and I don't even mean interesting in a you know, sick, weird way. I just mean in a fulfilling, satisfying way. But when you play games, particularly games you know you can win, it does at least keep your mind engaged, keeps the gears turning. And I suppose that's better than atrophy. Oromar signs, I understand and flicks it towards Travis. Signs, I trust, and then you will work, and joins them together. With that, he reaches for the bottle of whiskey across the table and reaches towards Jonnet to reclaim his sword. Pushes it across the table. Oh, it makes such a loud sound. <laughs> yes. This <laughs> and then and then John's like, oh no. And so then he tries to pick it up. His, his arms are too outstretched to really get the leverage this time. And so he j- ends up just like flipping it over one time towards the captain. <laughs> the captain grabs the sword, fluidly and easily unsheaths it. And then in a quick movement across the top of the bottle, the top of the whiskey is severed. And you can smell it 
begin to perforate the room. And he gestures towards, yeah, we'll say it. Well, he gestures towards the four glasses for someone to pour. And we zoom out as your group has struck an accord with the captain. There is a gentle peace that sits between you. A gentle peace like the one that sits over Ungoni, a town floating in the winds above the desert sands. Folks, we made some progress. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I really hope you enjoyed this little scene with Oromar. I can't wait until we have an actor who can step into his shoes and fill his voice, but I'm really glad we got to show off sign language in the Skyjacks universe. We were able to do this scene in part because of consultation on disability we got from Morgan Baker, who can be found on Twitter at MomoXMia. Morgan had lots of great advice and insight for us that I really think helped make this scene. And now we've got a foundation to welcome lots of deaf and hard of hearing characters into the show. Next up, heroes, we have a radvertisement. This one is a personal radvertisement coming from Duncan to Kit. Hey, Kit. Yeah, you. It's been a rough year for both of us, and I can't wait to give you a hug again. You're growing up to be such a great dude. Thank you for being you. Thank you for everything, little brother. I love you. That is incredibly heartwarming and sweet. It has been one hell of a year. Uh, I am looking forward to this next year maybe not being quite so terrible. But Kitten Duncan, the one thing I do know is that no matter what happens, you two are better off because you've got each other for support. Thanks so much for listening and supporting us with a radvertisement. Heroes, it's time to get excited because we are approaching Jonnet Week. What is Jonnet Week? Well, from March 8th through the 14th, fans of Skyjacks are banding together to celebrate everybody's favorite future captain. That means fan fiction, fan art, and all sorts of other cool transformative fan things. This is an entirely fan-run event, but we're extremely excited about it over here. There's a link to a tweet thread explaining Jonnet Week and how you can get involved or at least enjoy the festivities. In the meantime, just mark your calendars for March 8th through the 14th. Heroes, if you happen to back us on Patreon, we have released the Campaign Valentines for this year. Overall, we had six incredible designs. These Valentines were designed for us by Susie Spooner and Carol. I am so excited about how all of them came out. We tried to run the gambit between devastatingly romantic, super friendly, and, well, the broker has too. So really, the whole emotional range in the human experience surrounding Valentines which includes spooky bird-obsessed crime lords. If you want to check them out, head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to become a supporter. They're just part of the incredible rewards you get for backing the One-Shot Network. If you happen to be a $15 plus backer, you can also get in on the One-Shot Book Club, which we've started up again this month. In the One-Shot Book Club, we provide free RPG PDFs to our backers. 
So if you sign up, you can just get a free game this month. Once again, you can find all that and more at patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. Oh, and as a last note, we do have the next part of our discussion between myself, Drew Merzieski, and Patrick Rothfuss about the first season of Skyjack's Courier's Call coming out this Friday. Again, a great conversation, especially if you love Courier's Call and you're interested in more Skyjack's lore. You don't want to miss out. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. We come back into the story at first light. It is very early in the morning. Ungoni, being a floating city, can catch the sun much earlier than, you know, any city on the ground. Uh, Also, you know, you're you're probably used to early light from the Uhuru being in the sky anyway. A question that I have, Jonnet, how early do you typically wake up? Hmm. Oh, wow. I feel like Jonnet, the further along in his progress as a star watcher, the later he's been waking up. So probably like, you know, if left to his own devices, like he'll he'll go to like, he'll go to like 1130. He'd be chilling out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. he's, He's usually just like up and and like watching about now that Travis is is man at nighttime. He's probably like, you know, shooting the shit with him too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because this is a time that Travis would certainly be awake. Okay, cool. So, Jonnet, you awaken to the sound of a little bit of flapping and, and scratching, and I think a weight on your chest. You open your eyes to find yourself face to face with a blue macaw, a normal sized parrot, but. They're actually quite big birds. Uh, so, <laughs> Jonnet is like, he's doing that thing where like your chin scrunches up very tight to your neck and he's just very wide eyed and he says, Hello. It does that thing where like the crown of its head flares up a little bit that parrots do and says, Jonnet Kessler. Um, and then he looks around. <laughs> yeah, that's me. What's your name? Bird? Uh, the the bird reaches down uh, to its leg and, and pulls a string to pull a note that was tied to it off and drops that on your chest and like flares its wings a little bit and then resettles them. Does not say a word though. John looks at the at the note. He looks at maybe like a feather or two that have like detached from the bird. And then he looks down and sees that the bird did in fact poop on him when it did that little flare. And so, and he's like, ah, okay, okay, fine. And then he opens up the the letter. Um, seeing that you've opened the letter, uh, the, the bird is going to uh, hop down off your chest and flap its wings a little bit to sail out one of the windows of the Uhuru. 
you can see that the letter was sealed with a blue wax seal that bore the insignia of the flagship of the Tempest Armada's fleet. And it just says, you have been invited to an early brunch courtesy of the Bandit Queen. He sees that and then he looks down and he sees, looks at the poop and he's like, ah. And so he kind of like throws himself out of his hammock and um, he goes he goes to one of the other kids' bunks. And I was like, uh, oh man, I don't remember any of the kids' names. Uh, There's Minnie Singleton. <laughs> we do. Hey, Minnie, Minnie, I need to borrow your pants. Johnny, uh, Minnie, Minnie. believe Johnny was Minnie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> All the rest of them are me. You're just the one. I fr- Did she have a voice? Yeah, a little British child. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Pants? Yeah, okay. No, no nothing? Great, cool. Um, just uh, uh, let me, we're around the same size. Uh, can you take these? I'm sorry, they're covered in poop, but I got a big thing coming up, uh, and I need I need your pants. Uh. All, all right, that's fine, I suppose. Who's poop? Okay. What? <laughs> Who's poop? Uh, the bird. Did you see the bird flying around? I can't. I can't keep track of every bird. There Minnie's are been of- hanging out with Travis way too I, much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bird. It, it, it pooped me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, me, me too. I guess. Um. Well, he. Here you go. I'll go back to my quarters and and i suppose i'll get my own pants <laughs> well no 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 here janet pulls out a couple bits and like and gives them to many is like look uh, use these get them washed up right as rain and um for your trouble and throws more bits at her and then oh high wasted okay and then he he's he puts them on and then he's like oh oh okay and then he puts on like a his nicer vest and then he goes to uh he steps out the ship. Yeah, I I I want a smash cut to where do we think the bandit queen would be hosting this brunch? Would it be aboard her ship or somewhere in Ungoni? At a Perkins. At a Perkins. <laughs> oh my God, private <laughs> room at a Perkins, baby. Pretty, it's a, it's fancier than a Denny's, but still pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let me get that buttermilk bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it would be, yeah. I feel like maybe there's like a uh the local upscale like restaurant that like serves the Ungoni equivalent of like crepes. Ooh, uh, okay, yeah. And like they 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 make them and then they like throw them along the wind to land on your plate. <laughs> oh, oh, I kind of like the idea that it is all kind of like souffléed and whipped food, so it's like very mm. bubbly, incorporates a lot of air into it, and so they they like float very easily and gently through the air. Um Ooh. Very extremely trendy thing. <laughs> um, but you approach there and you can see Leotoa standing outside the front entrance of the place. Leotoa, I got I got your letter. I got your bird. Um, I feel like uh, the bird need, owes me an apology, but we'll get to that later. Oh, oh, not again. 
It does that a lot, and you can still employ this bird? It's He's one of Sifa's favorites. Uh, has been with us for a very long time. He, he must be around 80 at, at this point. Um, <sighs> still has life left to live, but uh, he has some issues. Mm. Okay, well. A brilliant color, though. Beautiful bird. Beautiful bird. One of the most opulent poops that have ever <laughs> been pooped. But, you know. I don't think a... we're in such a diplomatic situation where you need to praise the poop of the bird. <laughs> I appreciate that a we've inconvenienced you. Yes. <laughs> One of a kind <laughs> shit. Nugget of shit. I'm here to see the bandit queen. She is waiting within. Jonna walks in. Are there other people in in the restaurant outside of Chifa? I I think I think yes. You know, this has got to be a popular brunch spot. Even if the Bandit Queen is you know lunching there, they're not going to give up like the weekend rush. This is a critical hmm. time for them. So you can see this kind of wild and whimsical restaurant. I think. In the center of each little table, there is this little caddy that has different syrups and toppings, kind of on a Lazy Susan that everybody can pick around. And wafting through the air, there are these like very light pancake and egg concoctions that are like gliding down onto plates, zipping around the restaurant. It's a little bit Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I feel like there's a moment where, like, Jonnet comes in, takes this all in, and then a crepe with, like, a bunch of, like, berries floats by him, and then he goes to, like, pull a piece from it, and then essentially, like, a fly swatter on, like, an impossibly long stick, like, tits his hand down, and he looks over, and, like, the cook from, like, a million yards away, kind of watching, like, no touch. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So you wander into the restaurant and you can see that there is a partitioned area, sort of similar, honestly, to the configuration where you met up with Oromar the previous night. There's a little bit more privacy. It's a little bit more secluded, but uh, it's still, you know, kind of incorporated into the rest of the restaurant. The table here is different. It is a low table surrounded by pillows rather than, you know, kind of chairs and stools, which the rest of the restaurant uh, is outfitted with. The pillows are all like silky, smooth materials and it deep and and beautiful blues top to bottom and they're resting on them you can see Sifa the bandit queen she is wearing lots of silver and gold jewelry all with beautiful blue gemstones and she is wearing an open garment that hangs down across her chest you can see like her her chest fairly well but her, her breasts have been covered by like this almost infinity scarf shawl thing and she appears to be pouring some syrup like drizzling it over this beautiful mound of like eggy foamy whatever that this restaurant cooks up uh sifa hmm young man 
I believe uh, last we spoke, we didn't get to formally introduce ourselves to one another. Well, uh, you made your presence known. Uh, and he, he, like, rubs his arm where he was, like, pricked. Mm. Yes, uh, unfortunate, but uh, I believe uh, that it was necessary in the situation. Please, have a seat. Jonet goes up, and he takes one of the one of the blue pillows and he kind of puts it as a as a rest behind him and it just settles in. I understand that you're reaching this port after quite an adventure. Uh yeah. It's been it's been a lot. Everyone on the crew has has seen and done things that we didn't necessarily think we were capable of, but we got through it. Interesting that you speak for everyone on the crew when I believe, according to my eyes and my ears, you did quite a bit that no one believed that anyone could do. I learned a lot about myself and what I am capable of. And when he says that, he kind of sits up a little bit. She nods, like, looking him up and down. As you kind of sit up, drifting down from overhead is one of these whipped egg concoctions that, like, lands delicately on your plate. I took the liberty of ordering for you. I didn't want you to have to wait too long. Jonah grabs a spoon, takes a bite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so airy. Oh, Corsair through and through, down to the bone, it seems. Well, as a Corsair, I'm, I'm here to, uh, to make some money, to uh, engage in a deal. So uh, what, brings, uh, what brings you to bring me here? Well, Mr. Kessler, I have brought you to me because I believe that there's a very good chance that we will have many dealings far after this one, whether you sail aboard the Uhuru or not. Hmm. And as I believe this to be a thing that's true, there are a few questions that I would like to ask you. You are free to ask me questions in return, and I will answer them faithfully and truthfully. All right. I also may have a message for you, depending on how you answer my questions. There are right answers to this? Mr. Kessler, you will find in life there are right and wrong answers to almost everything put before you. And it is important not just for yourself, but for the people around you, and even the whole of Sphere, that you learn to answer them correctly. He shuffles around in his seat a little bit. He takes his airy, eggy dish and moves it slightly to the side. <laughs> takes a spoon, grabs one more spoonful, eats it, puts it back, puts his hands down, and says, Well, then ask away. Sifa smiles. I understand that this might be a difficult situation, but feel free to eat throughout. I don't want it to be unpleasant. Janet takes another spoonful and eats. (laughs) It's very Uh, good. It's so airy. I truly love this place. 
My first question should be simple enough, and that is, how did you come to join the Uhuru? It was kind of by chance. I stowed away. I needed to get on a ship. The Uhuru is a force in the sky, but sometimes uh, security is a little lax. Sifa, Sifa smiles with a sparkle in her eye. You still imagine that Oromar didn't know you were aboard his ship? Well, I mean, why would Oromar Vale know about me or want me on his ship? If there's one thing I know about Oromar Vale, it's that he keeps very close track of the children who enter his doors. And you've been with the Uhuru how long? Oh, I mean, coming up on a year, I think, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's cl- it's got to be closing in on a yeah. year. It's, it's, I think at that question, Jonnet is a little taken aback. Mm. And then he's just like, wow, coming, coming up on a year. Huh. That means that you definitely joined the crew or went aboard the ship at a time you were still a child. Vale does not turn away children who seek the shelter of his ship. But you insinuated yourself into the crew. That is very impressive. Ormar normally turns pretenders away. Well, I'm a lot of things, but I hope that I'm not a pretender. I really want to be a skyjack. Sifa smiles again. And why, young man, is that? Because when I'm in the sky, uh, that's the altitude that I want to be. And there's family in it. It's exciting. It's everything that I... And he, he starts to say it's everything that I hoped it would be, and then he kind of trails off. Well, there were some things I wasn't expecting, but still, I don't think I would trade this for anything else. This is what I want to do. What is it about young men going to the sky that always fills them with poetry when I ask a simple question? I understand that you enjoy your career as a corsair. I understand that you find there to be some romantic poetry to sail about. But I want to know what you want from it. Why do you do this? Is it that Jonnet Kessler is a heart so ruled by poetry that he will follow it wherever it pushes him? Poetry, power, purpose. It's all part of it. You can't deny one. I want to carve out a piece of the sky. I want my own ship, and I want a crew that I will lead. And doing that will take down anyone who stands in our way, will help people in need. I want that for myself. And I already know that there are people that want that too. 
and I can give that to them. There it is. That's the ambition. You don't know it because I believe, from what you've told me, that Oromar never formally inducted you to the crew. He must have saw you, read your heart, and assumed that that is where you should be. But Oromar would not have done such a thing without that ambition. And that is very much why I wish to talk to you now, and very much why I chose to lay a curse on you back during Iapiora. Why? Ambition is a fine thing, in certain circumstances. But ambition, especially when coupled with power, and more so the desire for power, can be quite a dangerous thing. Oromar has never wavered in his quests. Oromar has never stepped astray from his path. Although he and I have disagreed over his methods over the years, that is one thing that I am forced to admit. But not every man is Oromar Vale. And, Jonnet, although you may feel that you know your heart very well, you are still quite young and we don't yet know what sort of man you will grow to be. If I could become... If I could become even a fraction of the man that Ormar Vale, the man that everyone speaks so highly of, I feel like I will have done it. Because I also have done it in my way. A fraction of the man that Ormar Vale is could burn the world to the ground. And Mr. Kessler, unless I am grievously mistaken, you have the potential to be a far more powerful man than Oromar Vale. What do you know about this? And he kind of like pulls down the bandana. What do you know about sight? Sifa... Her expression, it doesn't harden, it it doesn't soften, but there is a bracing and, like, a bit of a sigh in it as she says, Well, I'll have to admit you jumped the gun a bit. I was going to reveal that my agents had ferreted out a rumor that you might be a seer, but... uh, (sighs) (laughs) I know stories. And stories are very tricky things. If we were to believe every story about Oromar Vale, then we might know that he's already burned the world to the ground while no one was paying attention. I do know that seers have a deep connection to power, and I know that seers attain that connection through action. Regardless of the claims of some seers of the past, none of them were born with a right. All of them, perhaps even accidentally, stumbled upon power, and the world was left to deal with the consequences of what they decided to do with it. Hmm. I think that's also kind of one of the reasons why I want to be in the sky. I feel like I get closer and closer to understanding what this, he points to his eye, 
is means is capable of when I follow the call of the sky. They both look at the camera and wink. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Arnie in the corner's like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of fun here today. We return once again to the long line of prospective applicants in front of the Skyship Uhuru, but currently that line is not moving because everyone uh, who's doing the interviews is on a break. We see our crew members uh, sitting at the table with a stack of resumes and headshots in front of them uh, when a shadow is cast over them as they are looking through these different applications, trying to decide, you know, who they want to see next. The shadow is cast over them and a piece of paper is very firmly put down on the table. Uh, We said Uh. we'll be back in five. Uh, So if you want to just go ahead and head back to the line, that'd be great. You can see uh, that this paper uh, has very rough handwriting on it. Uh, It's hard to understand, uh, even though it is in broad, kind of blocky letters. It says, Herbo, attorney at law, uh, but there are many letters missing from that, uh, Mm -hmm. like, sort of monogram on on the top of this... uh, stationary um and beneath it says uh suit representing birds then you look up to see a 14 foot tall crow looming down in front of you it does have on a little collar and tie (laughs) lots of bird uh, stuff today huh a small like tiny glasses balanced on its beak uh uh, uh, (laughs) Oh. Mm. Uh, um okay uh, hello uh, this uh the bird bends down and flips a page over on the stack of papers that is put in front of you and the message says representing Lucas Metatron and Flea oh now this oh. is juicy I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are my birds suing me? Uh, The bird flips down, uh, puts its beak down once again, flips over another page. It just says in big block letters, hazard pay. Hazard pay? Hazard pay? Uh Okay. Uh Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, On what grounds? On what grounds, big bird? Excuse uh, me. It flips the pa- paper again, uh, and there is once again big block uh, block letters that say "combat." Oh my god! I cannot believe it. Wait a second. Are you re- representing them pro bono? Because they don't have money. I know they don't. They're birds. You haven't been paying the birds. <laughs> are the birds using my money to pay for you? The bird uh, like kind of ruffles its feathers a little bit and then smooths them out 
All right. So the birds, my birds sued. <laughs> my birds sued. <laughs> well, this is kind. This is kind of a you problem. It is a me problem. Um, but my birds sued. Um, <laughs> well, uh, it's kind of an all of us problem. I, I think uh, if you talk to Overboard, those birds are coded in our system as managers aboard the ship, so the company's still liable. Mm. <laughs> see, see, here's, see, here's. The well, thing. see, I, 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 I birthed. I, I didn't birth the birds. I've raised the birds mm-hmm. since they were baby birds. I didn't. Uh, I, I assumed fighting was part of it. I haven't asked them though. You've never asked any of the. I can't. I don't speak bird. John, do you speak bird? No, I don't sorry, speak, do bird, speak bird, but I'm also not raising a fleet of birds that I take in a battle. To be fair, I speak bird and no one ever asked me to ask. <laughs> I just thing. assumed. And I'm right here. You could have said, Travis, please talk to the birds. That's that's neither here nor there. Well, I think it's I think it's very much here right now. They there's not been a work stoppage. There has not been any sort of protest from the birds up until this action. And I think that they have been poisoned against me as uh, a, a, by uh, a. Well, look, just because just because I was down there in the birdhouse, uh, you know, kind of talking about how they should band together so that they're treated fairly doesn't mean you, this. You, you unionized my birds. And I think it's important to to sort of get in the books that Gable is anti-union. I, yeah. <laughs> I am not. I am not anti-union. But, I'm not anti-union. I'm against actions that when I they're are okay so when you're when you are collective you and you do not present your terms to the employer how is the employer uh, supposed at, to accommodate the terms at this point the uh large crow in front of you uh taps its beak uh very rapidly against the paper that says hazard pay <laughs> <laughs> that that is the term thank you well, I'm. I I love collective action. It's one of my favorite types of actions. And and now, what is your response to their their request? Well, well what are the specific? How much do they want? The speci- what are the terms? What? Are- I think it's important to note, uh, a, a lawyer, that Gable is ostensibly saying that whatever additional hazard pay would probably wind up being uh, less than the dues for the union. And that's that not, they would that they that would like not, to pass that on to first the birds. Of all, union dues are separate and paid into the union, and it's not part of the payroll. It is a separate it's it is a, a separate mechanic. And second of all, if we would they be amenable to hazard pay being incorporated into the regular salaries? Because I don't think hazards are going away necessarily. Oh, so Gable has said that they will not try to make a more safe work environment. <laughs> I I never said anything <laughs> like that. I the words are being taken. I am a good employer and uh I have lots of uh Gable, you gotta settle. Your flame. I think we, we got we gotta Gable. offer him something. We, we just gotta. We, we gotta settle. We, 
got a cave. We can't. <laughs> we can't hold out against this. If this hits the media and it's my face up on the screen and your face up on the screen against those sweet birds, there's I, no way the public siding with us. I just don't think, like, when you get into a small business, you don't, there's things you don't realize about how, like, how a business should work and what employee rights are. And it's on, that's on me. I'll say that. That's on me for not doing the research. But I feel like I, I wish I, I'm their friend. I'm their, mm-hmm. I'm their boss, but mm-hmm. I'm also their friend, right? Mm-hmm. Not yes, no. yes. Okay, it's, I think it sounds like you're exploiting let, them. You're exploiting yeah, your friendship. Let it, let it be known that Gable would like to exploit their friendship. <laughs> no, with the birds. <laughs> no, 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 wait, no. hold on, hold on. What's wrong with exploiting your friend? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, can I make a breakout room real quick? <laughs> <laughs> See, we're, if we... <laughs> we need to call a deer town hall. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if... What if... What if we offer them seeds? Birds like seeds. What are, what are their terms? A bird lawyer, what are their terms? Is it more seeds? Is it more flights? More scratches? What's their terms? The bird lawyer uh, <laughs> kind of flips through, uh, pulls out a cell phone, types in some terms to the cell phone, <laughs> waits really quick. Wait, who gave back. my bird cell phone? <laughs> uh, then like, the bird lawyer, grabbing a pen in its beak, will write out an additional piece of paper. Seeds, scritches, hats and slides that over and firmly taps it with its giant beak. Hats is a bridge too far. They don't need hats to no, do no, no, their no, work. You can't tell them what they need. How would they even... Well, 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 the employer is trying to tell the employees what is fair. <laughs> Meanwhile, they are not experiencing the same workplace hazards as Fine. the birds. Fine, Fine. Quarterly, they will receive a build cap of their choosing, <laughs> and then as a holiday bonus, they can share a fancy hat of their choosing that has been chosen in the quarter before. So we can accommodate the request in our in 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 the quarterly returns. Is that good enough for you, Metatron? <laughs> <laughs> We'll put in a red tail hawk sound effect there. Um, I'd also like, uh, just because they sound so funny, I'd really love, and Casey, all of these sound effects, obviously, you know, we're, we're lowering the, uh, what is it, the pitch of these. Uh, let, let, let's get in a peacock scream there as well. Because those are Peacocks funny. are funny. They're good. funny. Peacocks are sound and, ca- and Casey, feel free to charge extra for those sound effects. Um, to charge yeah, a, a lot you know. And if you and feel free to get representation if James refuses to pay you extra for those sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Just sometimes you see, you see the mirror put on yourself and you realize that there you are left wanting. And I I thought best intentions to be mm-hmm. a good boss but yes you know we, sh- what, we should all boss. feel bad for the employer <laughs> yeah. it's you know i was at i this is true i was at target 
the other day, a while yeah. ago, <laughs> and I saw I saw a display in the greeting card section that said it's employer's day where you're supposed to get a card for your employer. Oh no, thank you. Mm. How big was the uh, section? Oh no, thank you. Bigger. I forgot I was supposed to be a character. <laughs> <laughs> or or no, it was employer it was employer or employer appreciation day. Whatever it was called, the the thrust of the holiday was that you're supposed to be appreciative of your employer for allowing their wealth to trickle down. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad we could work this out and that all the birds on the ship, no matter the size, will be receiving additional compensation. The bird lawyer packs up all of the paper in uh, their suitcase. We can see now on the outside of the suitcase, it says Avian Laborers 17, uh, just branded on the outside of that. He closes it up and flies off into the sky to do another uh, negotiation settlement on another skyship somewhere else in the universe. So we've established that bird unions are canon in the world of Skyjacks, and that will be a reality that we're just living with uh, moving forward. I'm going to have so many hats now. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Design Doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.